You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Let's come to God's Word then and look at it once again on your way to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. That's where we're going to be heading, Romans 5, verse 12. I've got a couple pictures from last week. Is Justin here this week? Justin, got your picture from last week that said there is faith, and that's kind of, we're faith in God's faithfulness, faith in God. So thanks for drawing that, Justin. And then there's one more picture there. And that's from your friend Mason, right? Is Mason here today? No, he's not here. He was here last week. He said there is love in the world. And last week we were looking at that love in the world of God, demonstrating his love while we were yet sinners. So you can tell Mason his picture is up here, Justin, okay? All right. Well, great. appreciate all those pictures. Had a lot turned in last week, so thank you, kids, for that, for following along and, and uh, drawing as we go. Well, we come to God's Word once again in chapter 5 verse 12, and we're going to be just looking at verse, through verse 14, but I'm going to read the whole section to the, to the end of the chapter because it's all kind of, it's all one, but rather than just one sermon, we're breaking it up, and so, but we want to see it as a whole. So let's start in 12, let's listen to God's word, and then we'll dive into more specifically the, the first few verses here. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, And so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray again. Lord, We come to you in this moment before we look as a corporate gathered body of believers to look into your word and ask for your your help, and we do need you. Lord, I need you as I preach this particular message to be be clear and have clarity in what is what is talked about in these verses, where it's challenging, where it's where we need to think about these things and think well, help us to do that. Lord, we pray that in each heart gathered here today, we would think 
clearly and be able to understand what you have written before us. Lord, thank you for your word. We've already been blessed hearing from uh, uh, 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, the 12th chapter, that we can sing our praises to you. You've given us lips to sing to you. No matter what kind of tone we make, we can praise you. So we thank you, Lord, that in Jesus Christ we can do these things. And so we pray for his Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to work on our hearts as we study this particular section of your word today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, it's not uh, often that I, if you speak to a group of people, that I can say categorically today there's only two types of people here in the categories that I'm thinking of here. There's only two types. Sometimes we might say, well, there's, there's a lot of different types of people. There's a lot of different backgrounds, all of us. You, we could say, what state were you, did you grow up in? Where are you from? There's different personalities, different ages, different occupations, and so forth. There's, there's differences, but there's only really, in our text, two identities of people. There's only this or this. And our text is showing this uh, this morning, that there's either through one man, that is through Adam, we're condemned and guilty as sinners, so you're in Adam, or there's through one man, Jesus Christ, that we are justified and have eternal life. So you're either today, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. There's, there's, not, a, there's not a middle ground. Well, I kind of am here and I'm kind of there and I'm, you, you're in Adam or, or Christ. That's what's laid out before us in the text. And in our text, in verse 12, we come to a, to a therefore. And so Paul is building on something. And it's almost, this is this whole letter, he's, he's building on something as we go along. But he's building on what has come before us, what we've already looked at in verses 1 through 11. And I think there is this laser focus of Paul on Christ. I think this is helpful as we come into what we're studying presently in verse 12 and so on. So, for instance, in verse 1 of this chapter, we have peace through who? Through Christ. Peace comes through Christ. In verse 2, we have access into grace through Christ. Uh, Verse 6, you're going to get a theme here. Verse 6, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. It's connected to Christ. Verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who died for us? Christ. Verse 9, We're justified how? By His blood and saved by Him from the wrath of God. In verse 10, we're reconciled to God by the death of His Son. We're saved by His life. And so in verse 11, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And and then finally, it's through Him that we have received reconciliation. You you get the message? You hear the theme going on here? It's, It's sinner. Look at what you have, or really better, Look at who you have in Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the goal. But in order to understand Christ, as we get into our section, Paul's going to take us historically back to the first man, Adam, who is a type of the one who is to come, or who was to come, the second man, Christ. So, again, we're going to take this, this last part of chapter 5, kind of section by section as the weeks go on and walk with Paul as he walks us back and forth. Look at Adam, look at Christ. Look at Adam, look at Christ. We're going to get this back and forth as we go. So, as we come into verse 12, we come 
to one of these, I think it's probably one of these headwater verses in regards to helping us understand our sin nature. This isn't the first time we've thought about our sin nature, in, even in this letter to Romans, for all have sinned, and we've looked at chapter 3 and the sin, and even before, prior to that. But here's kind of this, this headwater verse. I'll read it again, verse 12. Therefore, Paul says, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. There was a time in this world, in this creation, with no sin, where there was no death. There was no pain that we're thinking about, or no suffering that we think about. And, and we might have a hazy idea of what that looks like, but really we just don't, we've got a sense of it, but we don't, what is it like to be in a world without sin? But there was that time. But then when, when Eve took that forbidden fruit and then gave some to her husband who was with her, Adam, sin came into the world and it forever changed the landscape, changed everybody. Just, just to give before we think further, just the Bible's quick definition of sin again. Sin is, uh, I think it's, yeah, 1 John 3, sin is lawlessness. Where God commands, man rebels, disobeys. Man does not worship God, worships his self. But in thinking about sin coming into the world, I mentioned Eve there, and we're kind of faced with a question because Paul here is saying sin came into the world through one man, and we might say, well, well, didn't Eve? Wasn't she the first to take the fruit? And maybe we're going to have a, a, a man-woman argument here of who sinned first, who was this? And so a question comes up. There's certain texts like 2 Corinthians 11, 1 Timothy 2, they, they speak of Eve being deceived. But then Paul also says, those are, those are Pauline letters, he also says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, for as in Adam all die. So was it, did the one man sin first? Was it Eve? Two maybe ways to think about that. One, I think you could see, one explanation is you could see in the two there is, there is essentially one man sinned in the garden. Remember the accounts of creation that Adam and Eve were, they were one flesh, so you could maybe make the argument in, in one sense they were, there was one man, the one flesh. That might be a way to kind of explain that. But I do think Paul has Adam in mind. He has the man here. And so number two, we just want to consider who did God call to, call after once they had sinned? Who did God come and find first? And it was Adam. Who was given the command first? Remember who gave the command first? It was given to Adam. It was before Eve was even created. And so the deception came to Eve. She was deceived, but Adam was, and you can look at the text, he was right there with her, right there. And so he bears this responsibility, and he has this title then of this, this one man who Paul says uh, that sin came into the world through this one man. Now, Paul's going to use this phrase, one man, to make a comparison in this section back and forth. You remember as we read through it, you hear it over and over. In fact, Leon Morris points this out. He says 12 times in verses 12 through 19, we have the word one. Repeatedly, Paul refers to one man, Adam, and to one sin of that one man, and opposes to him and to it the one man, Jesus Christ, and his one work of grace. So the one man and his sin and the one Savior and his salvation 
are critical to this discussion. And, and that is this section in a nutshell. That, that's it. That's where we're at. It's look at Adam and then look at Christ. And we're just getting into what's the comparisons? Why is Paul bringing out Adam here? How does this help us understand Christ, who is the focus? That's what we're looking at and we'll look at in the weeks to follow here. Okay, well, through this one man, so sin enters the world. And through this one man's sin, look what entered into the world. And it was, there you are in verse 12, death. Death through sin. Now, I do want to, we didn't go back to Genesis 3, but I want you to go back to Genesis 2. Genesis chapter 2. Find the very first book of your scriptures, Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 17. I'll read 16 and 17 here, but just come back to this. This is now we're now we're prior to any sin, any fall. We're we're before that in time. And here's just the one command. You know, not even 10, not even two. There's there's just one. And look at what it says. This is maybe familiar ground, but just hear it again before the fall. Here's what the Lord God says. I'll read verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. And here's our verse. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You've ever wondered, like me, why is it called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It's a bit of a side. Maybe it fits in, hopefully. But I found this in just, just searching along, and I, I thought it's helpful. I'll share it with you. J.I. Packer says it this way. What, why is this tree called this knowledge of good and evil anyway? And when you eat of it, then you're going to die. And we'll look at the death part. But he says this, according to this tree, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The, the issue is whether Adam would let God tell him what was good and bad for him or would seek to, dis- to decide that for himself in disregard of what God had said. So by eating from this tree, Adam would, in effect, be claiming that he could know and decide what was good and evil for him without any reference to God. Maybe that's helpful to us to think of this, this Adam, this autonomous Adam that says, I'm going to I will say what is good and evil. Isn't that what we're doing in our sin? Oh, yeah, God has said that. Well, he doesn't know or he doesn't see or I want to do it or it feels better, whatever. It's us calling the shots. We know the rest of the story here. We know from Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve did take that fruit, whatever kind of fruit that was, and they ate of it, and thus death came. Romans 6.23 puts it in shorthand. For the wages of sin is death. Most certainly, that's what happened in the garden. Physical death, for sure. There's a death, maybe think of, maybe connected to that, a death to creation. Romans 8 would call it corruption in this world. There's a decay. And then certainly, there's a spiritual death that occurred as well. Ephesians 2.1 speaks of those without Christ. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. How can living people be dead? They're dead in their sin before God, spiritually dead. Or Isaiah 59, 2, it doesn't use dead language, but here's the result of it. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. 
There was that pure relationship in the garden to God. And in the garden, when sin, sin came, when that fall came, that relationship died when sin was there, and so death spread to all men. Let's head back to Romans, back to verse 12, and we will see that. So death comes through sin. You say, where, where does all this death come from? Even quite simply, where, where, what's this? It comes through sin. But then it also says death spread to all men because all sinned. You heard the phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It does not stay in Vegas. I used to fly bad men out there. I don't think it stays there. It doesn't. But also... What happened in the garden doesn't stay. In the garden, it spreads, and it spread out. It did not stay there, and death has spread out. And it spread because all sinned. I think most of you are going to have that phrase at the end of verse 12, death spread to all men because all sin. Now, this phrase is kind of challenging. It's challenging, I think, in translation. People are looking at it different ways. The question here is in regard to Adam's sin. So here's kind of the two questions. So question one, is Adam here acting as a representative of all men so that in his one sin, all are said to have sinned? Okay, that's the position I'm going to take, but that's, that's one way to look at it. Another way, um, or is it, is it rather, okay, all sinned, each person who sins then dies. So, so yes, Adam was first, but then he doesn't really count when each person sins, then they die. So they, the one sinning, is, is responsible for their own sin. And, and when we get into these issues, we're really in that doctrinal discussion of original sin. Where does our sin, where does this nature, where does this come from? And that's where Paul's taking us. Now, that's not his only objective, because there's the rest of the chapter, so... Hang on to that, but we're looking at what's the past, where does this sin come from, the idea of, of even the origin of where does our sin come from, and even more specifically, I think in this section, the idea of our original guilt. That is, does everybody start out as kind of neutral? We're just kind of a zero. You start out zero, and maybe if you're raised in the right environment and, and so forth, you, you Maybe there's potential to sin, but, but there's a choice, and you can choose in either way, and then once you choose this, then you're a sinner, and so, so you start off kind of neutral. Or, or do we start off already guilty, and further, not only guilty in Adam, but polluted by sin in our hearts already? I would propose here the Bible teaches that before we ever do a wrong, before we ever sin in the act of sin, we're already guilty in Adam. I want to think about this because that might sound kind of harsh. How can, we, how can I be guilty when I, I haven't done that? I wasn't there. You know, or maybe you think I would have done different. But how can I be guilty for this? How can I be called a sinner in Adam? One illustration that was helpful to me, I think it was in, in college, thinking about how are we sinners is that I... The idea of what, how one, uh, how a dog is a dog, let me put it that way. How does a dog become a, a dog? Now, if you identify a dog, you know how to identify a dog. I mean, there's, I guess you could look at them. 
people know different things about dogs, but you're going to hear the, woo, woo, you hear the, the bark. The bark identifies. You go, that's, you can hear it. I don't know if we hear it through the walls. You can hear a barking. You go, that's a dog. The question is, when that dog first barks, is that when it becomes the dog? And we go, no. The dog is already a dog. We have a couple little dogs, little, little cute puppies, but they're barking already. And they bark because they are dogs. They're born a dog. That's just what they do. And so the bark is this the nature of the animal coming out. And so in Adam, acting as our head, he's our representative of the human race. We are all thus, we are guilty in sin. We are sinners out of Adam. And we certainly act out. If you say, well, well, how can I be judged for that? Well, just look at your life and your own sin and your own guilt. But that's at the headwaters of it. Theologian Wayne Grudem, he says this. You've heard me use him before. He says, here Paul is saying that something happened and was completed in the past, namely that all men sinned. But it was not true that all men had actually committed sinful actions at the time that Paul was writing, because some had not even been born yet, and many others had died in infancy before committing any conscience acts of sin. So Paul must be meaning, Paul must be meaning that when Adam sinned, God considered it true that all men sinned in Adam. Okay, to answer our original question or questions, I'd propose it's, it's both and. In Adam, sometimes called our, our federal head, our head, we who are born of Adam, born of the line of men, we are already guilty as sinners. And we also sin and incur our own guilt because we are sinners. Some other texts that bear on this. Maybe you're thinking of this. Psalm 51.5, David, confessing his own sin, says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. I don't think he's saying my mom was sinful in the way that she conceived me. He's, it's a confession. He's saying I was the sinner. I was born, brought forth in iniquity. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Or Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, again, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now that's the good news. That's what Paul's getting at here. And so here we're going to get back to the context of this passage even, I think, will help us. So I want to skip ahead with you a little bit and just see this back and forth. I'll just kind of list them off here. This through one man and then through the one man. Look at this again. Even I think the context of our passage is just bringing this out of our place in Adam and our guilt because of Adam. Verse 15, many died, it says, through one man's trespass. Verse 16 says, the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. Verse 17, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Verse 18, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. And verse 19, by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. I think we have a context going on to help us see this. Maybe even going back to Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this has the idea of Christ dying for those 
of us yet to be born who are called sinners. We're already known to be sinners, but that was after Christ had died. And how is this? Grudem says, of course, some of us did not even exist when Christ died, but God nevertheless regarded us as sinners in need of salvation. How does he do that? Because we are in Adam and all men because all have sinned. Those in Adam and in Adam all die. Further, that's verse 12. It's a little shorter. The last two verses, 13 and 14, are going to contribute to this thought as well. Let's look at those. I'll read them as a pair. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Let me start over. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Okay, so now Paul takes us to a period of time before the law. That is before the law given, I think, to Moses on Mount Sinai. That, that giving of the law we think of in, in Exodus. Now, the law does bring, it brings knowledge of sin. We've seen that in chapter 3, verse 20. But Paul says here, sin is not counted. That's, it's not reckoned to us where there is no law. So, so there, there was no, technically, there was no law before Moses' time. Okay? So how is it, how can there be sin and death before this law? And the answer is, sin came into the world through one man. That's what we've been looking at through Adam. Death reigned even before the law, even before Moses, which means if death reigns, sin is reigning. Think of the reign of sin, just your, okay, think of that time period, you know, backwards from Moses and back towards, towards Genesis. You think of the flood, think of the sinfulness in that day. There's death in Genesis, people live so long, then they die, they live, they die, they live. There's death, 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 it continues, there's sin. And there were even those who didn't sin in the same way Adam Sins, verse 14 says that. They didn't sin in the same way. They did not all eat the forbidden fruit, yet nonetheless, they died. So they didn't even sin like you. How could they, how was this death? Now, I think if we can understand it, I'm just going to admit right here, these, these are challenging. If you're kind of, right now, you're scratching, going, I, I, I was with you, now I'm, I don't know where we're at. There's some challenge here. Commercial break. That's, that's okay. We, we struggle to understand certain things. It is good for us to work in understanding them. And even in this, our own sin taints us because we go, well, we can easily just go, well, the Bible's just, it's just, there's just things that are hard to understand. But have we put the time it takes to seek this out? We, we might read five minutes a day and then go, well, the Bible's just hard to, I don't know, I don't read much, it's just hard to understand. Kind of as a, that's even sin at work in us, that we're not even diligent enough to study it longer and harder and gain the fruit by meditating and chewing on God's Word. So there are challenging things. This is challenging. We're going to try to work through it here. But we, we also see the effect of sin even when we want to study God's Word. And you might say, with the best intentions, I'm going to read a couple chapters today, and two paragraphs in, you're already, maybe you're drowsy. And we just go, 
Lord, I need you. This, this just shows again and again my need for Christ. And then, Lord, give me, the, you know, uh, spirit is willing, flesh is weak. Lord, give me the strength to study your word, to work hard so that I don't use that excuse, well, it's just hard to understand. And I'm not spent time working on it. Okay, so, all right, we're back. 30-second break. We're back challenging verses. But I think Paul here, he's making a case that the law did not bring uh, about sin. Okay, the law didn't introduce sin. It didn't introduce guilt and death. Adam did. And so through Adam, sin, guilt, death spreads. Or the word that theologians would use, I think it's helpful we think about it, that sin was imputed to all of Adam's offspring, to all mankind. That sin was imputed to each of them, to all men. And this was even before the law was given. Now, as we think about this period between, before the, the law of Moses and, and in this period between Adam and Moses, as Paul is talking about here, there's maybe two explanations can be made for, so why is there sin and death in this period? If the, if the law doesn't, if the law wasn't there and so people aren't counted as sinful without the law, how do we understand this? From what one, and I think it's a lighter one, what we've already studied in Romans, God's law is already on the heart of man before there were ever tablets of stone. It's already written there. So there's a law in one sense. Men, men knew, and yet they exchanged the truth of God. As we looked at for, uh, chapter 1, for lies, they did not worship God. But again, where does this disobedience, where does this sin come from? And we go back to Adam. Now, certainly these ones before Moses, in between Adam and Moses, God saw their wickedness. They were sinners. Think of the flood. Think of Sodom and Gomorrah. But why were they primarily counted as sinners? It's because they were of Adam. It was his guilt. That, that sin, that guilt came and was theirs. And the, the law, which then comes through Moses, it would not impute sin to them. Adam's failure as the representative of the human race, that was their failure. So the law just increases that, and we'll see that. So Adam's guilt becomes all of our guilt. And thus in Adam all die. Paul can say that. Whether, whether it's before the law or after, there is death, and it comes through sin. Maybe our statement of faith as a church will say it a little more succinctly. It reads like this. It says, Because all men were in Adam, his guilt was justly imputed to every man. And a nature corrupted by Adam's sin has been transmitted to all men of all ages, Jesus Christ being the only exception. Therefore, all men are sinners by nature, by choice, and by divine declaration. Although man is radically and pervasively depraved, he, by the common grace of God, does not always fulfill his full potential to sin. We are, to use that theological phrase, we are totally depraved, totally sinful through and through, utterly sinful, though by God's grace and not our own control, we don't always act out. Mankind doesn't always act out on the full extent of that sinfulness. And yet our guilt is born, we're born in guilt, imputed to us through Adam. Now, in seeing all this, questions might arise. Are we all guilty? You mean infants who die, mentally handicapped? Are they guilty 
as well of sin. These this, this important and, and hard questions for us. My quick answer would be, okay, if, if we're born in guilt, if David says we're born in guilt, if they are to be saved, infants, mentally handicapped, it will be how anybody is saved. And how is that? By God's sovereign grace. I say sovereign grace because God chooses His own and who He will save. And they are saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name of salvation but Christ. And I think we have good reason to believe that God's grace is poured out on these little ones or those without the mental capacity to believe who are thus guilty and yet saved by that same grace, by God. David. David himself, he had a hope. Remember his infant son died? He had a hope that he would see his son again. He would go to him. Or even just helpfully think of Jesus and how he was around little children. He welcomed them. He did did not say to the little child, get off my lap, O guilty sinner. He welcomed them. And he said, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's that's just quick, and I think there's more things to be thoughtful, think through there, and and wrestle with. Questions might remain, but here's what we can trust in. Even with those questions, we can trust in our faithful God, and we can trust in a good God. He is good. He does what is upright always, every time. And we can entrust Him with everything, that He will always be just, and He will always do the right thing, no matter the situation. So that being said, though, even though our guilt brings up, it brings up hard questions like these, we've got to wrestle with the truth here of, from the Scriptures that before the Lord we are guilty because we are born in Adam as our head. But again, Paul is not out just for a lesson on Adam. It's the truth of Adam's guilt and sin imputed to us through Adam that's going to lead him to the analogy of the second Adam. And the glories of that. So we've got that last phrase in verse 14, Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. And I think this last line now leads us into saying, okay, what is Paul about? What is he after here? Paul's after exalting Christ in our salvation, and he's going to do it through the historical person of Adam, who is a type. Now, Doug Moo describes type as this. It's those Old Testament persons, institutions, or events that have a divinely intended function of prefiguring, now hold on, big words, the eschatological age inaugurated by Christ. Hence the word typology. All right, Doug Moo, give us a little bit of understanding he says here. I think this might be helpful. It is in this sense that Adam is a type of Christ. The universal impact of his one act prefigures the universal impact of Christ's act. So we've got to understand, so in Adam, if all are guilty in Adam, sin is imputed, death reigns. If we understand that, then we see and we come to Christ and see what is going on in our imputed righteousness. And he's saying if you don't like being imputed with Adam's guilt, then you can't be imputed with Jesus' righteousness. It's, it's that those two things that, that Paul is trying to show here. And we're going to get into that in the weeks to come. So this is not simply 
a history lesson on our origins. Where did we come from? It is that. We see that. Adam was real, not just a figurative Adam, a figurative of man, real in the flesh, sin, guilt. And Paul is linking our state of guilt and sin and its result. He's linking death with this one man, Adam. And I just, we can't get away, I think, from that theme throughout the passage if we look at it in context here. But again, like I said, if we're united to Adam in sin and death, if we're united there, how much more are we united in Christ? The ESV Study Bible has kind of a helpful summary here. It says this, Adam and Christ are covenantal heads of the human race so that all people are either in Adam or they're in Christ. All are in Adam by physical birth, while only those with the new birth are in Christ. You don't have to wait until next week to say, are you in Adam yet or are you in Christ? There are only two types of people. In Adam, we still bear the guilt and death eternally separated from God and the punishment infinitely more than we can ever think of away from Him. In Christ, glories forever. New life. You in Adam or in Christ? Maybe you're in Christ and your life is looking more Adam-ish. Take hold of who you are in Christ and then live out that as well. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we, as we look into these things and we're looking to to our origins a bit, to the story of sin in this world. And not just Adam's sin, but that sin imputed to us and our own, our own account and our own need and our own, our own judgment that ought to come unless you invade and change our hearts. Lord, thank you for the grace in Christ. And Lord, I pray that each of us would grow preacher included, grow to understand what it is, what our sin is, and then what a beautiful Savior we have in Christ. And Lord, where there is questions, where there are things challenging to us, may our time in your word wrestling with these things be part of your sanctifying us, growing us, helping us to know you much more and enjoy you forever in Christ. The second Adam, the risen one who lives for us always. We pray this in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.